0: Thank <music> you. Sunstone Audiobooks, Volume 4, Part 2. Based on the graphic novels by Stepan Sedgwick as published from Top Cow and Image Comic Books. Sunstone is an erotic fiction audiobook series and not intended for anyone under the age of 18. Parental discretion is advised as the subject matter is rated over for adults only. Please visit your local comic book store or imagecomics.com to pick up copies of Sunstone Volumes 1 through 6. Produced, directed, edited by Chris, narrated, and edited by Lila Rose. This is a fan-made project. All copyright is to the author and illustrator Stepan Sedgick. Done with his permission, all previous volumes can be found on the Sunstone Twitter as well as on SoundCloud under the Sunstone Audiobook Series Volumes 1 through 4.
1: My memories from that time come in little vignettes. On the stage at the Crimson, a Dom cradles her victim with silver-tipped talons as he hangs in a spiderweb of chains. Allie getting more practice with a strap-on, with my willing assistance. The day she figured out the rhythm of fucking me while holding the vibrator against my clit and I thought I might pass out from coming so hard. Allie on the phone with her mom, claiming illness to avoid a family dinner while I lay bound on the bed next to her, struggling to stay quiet as she played with my exposed breasts. Moving in with Allie changed my life. It changed both our lives. Sure, some things remained pretty much the same. Work is work, after all. But having someone to talk to when you come home, that was a more than welcome change for both of us. Sure, even at home, we had a private time, indulging in our own unique pastimes. For me, it was mostly writing, as I was, shall we say, inspired. Allie did her gaming thing, an unmistakable activity that was generally accompanied by shouting out such strange terms as kill-stealing, noob, and cash-whore. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. But in between all of that, there was the one hobby we both shared. And yeah, you might call it a hobby. It certainly had all the characteristics of one. We spent a lot of our time on it, we both loved it, we couldn't stop talking about it, and we burned way too much money on it. Honestly, we were like freaking kids with toys and more of than one. While Allie could assume the role of stern Dom while we played, the rest of the time she was a giant goof and we spent plenty of time giggling. There was Allie sitting on the floor reading the instructions for our newest vibrator. Okay. Hold button for two seconds to turn on. Okay. Work time, 20 minutes at full power, not to be operated by children or immature people. Hey, I take offense to that. One of the days we were browsing outfits at our local king shop, she snuck up behind me wearing a gas mask and nearly gave me a heart attack. She thought it was hilarious. And, well, like any hobby taken seriously, we started playing our game more often and more intensively. Allie justified it in a, shall we say, mathematical way. With unsynchronized periods and both of us suffering from bad cramps and PMS, we had roughly two weeks of playtime per month. So damn it, we were gonna make the most of them. One particularly memorable day, Allie chained me to the vibrating saddle with my hands bound in front of me. She locked me in so I couldn't squirm away and put the headphones over my ears and a ball gag in my mouth. She lifted the headphones just enough for me to hear her. I'll be back in about four hours, so don't go wandering off anywhere, okay? I order a Which translates to, what the fuck? Oh, silly me, I almost forgot. I hate doing a half-assed job. She reset the headphones and blindfolded me, completing the sensory deprivation. I could just hear her tell me to trust her. She would never betray that trust. And then she turned on the white noise, tucked the iPod into the back of my strappy lingerie, set the vibration on the saddle, and left. Engulfed, dark, and quiet static, there was nothing to distract me from the rising orgasms. I resisted them as long as I could, knowing once the waves of pleasure hit me they would not stop, and that unending pleasure would all too quickly turn into torture. But my will was no match for the relentless vibrations and soon sweat was pouring down my face and breasts as uncontrollable pleasure took over my body. Of course, Allie didn't actually leave, but with my senses completely taken away, there was no way for me to know that. Okay, perhaps there was somewhere in the logical, analytical part of my mind that knew she would be staying close by, In that logical part of my brain, I remembered our conversations, her own experience in college, the fear she felt during that one botched session in the attic room, and how it shaped her into a dom that almost obsessively prioritized safety. Never leave the sub alone was pretty much rule number one. Yep, logical brain knew this. But the thing about an intense orgasm is logic is, well, it's in another castle. Yes, I picked that reference up from Allie. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, she stayed in the room. Watching me struggle, she slid off her skirt, took off her jacket, lowered her panties, and masturbated to the sight of my pleasure torture and my gag-muffled gasps and moans. Predicament bondage was always among my dearest little fetishes. It was the kind of bondage that strained the body by allowing you to move and adjust yourself and evade punishment by your own strength. Well and at least until exhaustion kicked in. About 25% of my stories were about just that, the idea of being left to my own helpless devices, struggling but inevitably succumbing, Ah, tickled in all the right places. And Of course Allie knew this. I was hardly subtle with all my hints, and here she made it a reality for me, and I trusted her completely in my sensory-deprived state, though I had no idea she was still there with me. Anywho, there we were. I was lost in a dark world of sensations. And no, I'm not trying to be friggin' poetic. I mean in a very literal way. And Allie was there with me, unseen, unheard, unfelt, but uh, <laughs> sharing the moment. Mm. it's hot. Oh, yes, we were a perfect match for each other where sexual taste was concerned. But there was that one teeny tiny problem we were falling for each other hard and that dear listener is a whole different yet somehow eerily similar game, the game of love. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I actually said that, uh, but you know, fuck it, the shoe fit and in the game of love you can't simply admit your feelings, well you can if you aren't a complete dumbass, suffice it to say we were complete dumbasses. The point is, Whoever admits it first drops their guard, they are left exposed, vulnerable, and at that moment the other person holds all the power. At this point in our scene, I was in the throes of ecstasy, and Allie, having finished her own pleasure, was reaching toward me with an expression of tenderness only there because I couldn't see it. Lisa, I know you probably can't hear me, but I think... I... I... Her hand brushed my shoulder, and I shrieked as a half an hour of sensory deprivation and overstimulation was interrupted by a single touch. Then there was a lengthy session of cussing Allie out, not for leaving me or making me think she had. That was one of my favorite fantasies, finally realized. But damn, she almost gave me a heart attack. But yeah, I love you. Simple, right? And yet we were both terrified of speaking those words. Like I said before, we clung to our good enough. Changing the good enough to a what if takes courage. And the problem was our good enough was too good. In fact, our good enough was fucking incredible. We turned our long cherished sexual fantasies into reality in ways neither of us had imagined would ever actually happen. She would tie me down, tease me, and feed me cherries. I had to stay after school with my arms bound behind me in a little schoolgirl outfit trying to write on the chalkboard with the chalk in my mouth while she scolded me. We played with spreader bars and paddles, hoods, and straitjackets. So the little friend's bonking thing worked on paper, or in this case, chalkboard. Seriously, naughty schoolgirl, hot idea, really crappy aftertaste. We both avoided dealing with the emotional glitch in the system. Oh, we had our reasons. Stupid, ass-backwards, upside-down reasons. They were the kind of reasons that only made sense to insecure minds. And boy, did our minds qualify. It was all kinds of mental bullshit. From Allie's standpoint, we were friends. I came to her looking for a dom. What would I think if she were to just all of a sudden show such a vulnerable side to me? Lord knows she hated herself enough for her club meltdown as it was. Those are her words, not mine. And even worse, she wondered if I would feel pressured by it. After all, she was my dom, and I lived under her roof. In a way, she felt like she held an unfair psychological leverage over me. So yeah, apparently a badass corset and a whip may have given her a sense of power, but they didn't do shit against her emotional insecurity. But I was no better, I felt like I was crossing the line by falling for her. As a sub, I was supposed to adore her, and here I was, from my perspective, one-sidedly taking it too far. I honestly thought I would look desperately clingy if I was to admit my feelings, so no, I wasn't going to ruin this for us. So instead, we kept playing our usual games, better, harder, with more dedication and behind our passionate performances we hoped, maybe she will see. Maybe she will recognize it. Maybe in this devotion and pushing of boundaries, she will understand. Yeah, I'm well aware that I was doing the same damn thing that ruined my prior relationship. Signals and hints are a shitty replacement for honest communication. What can I say? Hindsight is twenty-twenty, but yeah. Speaking of signals and trying to impress each other, I remember this documentary I saw once. It was about the mating habits of animals. No, I was not specifically looking for it. Mike and I were teenagers, it was on TV, and we found it hilarious. Anyways, there was this weird-ass bird doing this elaborate dance to attract its mate. The only reason I'm even mentioning this is, well, that's the crap that was going through my head that day. See, that was the day I got my nipples pierced. Allie had no idea this was going to happen. I was planning on surprising her. I was, to put it mildly, freaking out. People say you should be yourself. You don't have to change for anyone. But we do change. We try and put our best foot forward to impress each other. Be it as simple as acting nicer, dressing better, sucking in your gut or as potentially stupid as doing stuff like getting jewelry and tender bits of our anatomy. We are all, at some point, like that weird-ass dancing bird trying to impress each other. Okay, so Lisa, this is Katya. She will be doing your peace rings. Hey. Oh, um, hey, Anne, I thought you were gonna do it. Katya gave me a sidelong look and turned to Anne. I think your friend may need a pep talk while I get my stuff ready. "'Hey, Lisa, you all right?' Anne asks, taking my head in her hands. "Uh "'Uh-huh. I hope you're not scared. The pain is really not bad. "'Hell, I'm sure your not-girlfriend has done far more painful things to your nips than this.'" (laughs) Oh, I blushed. I really hoped she wasn't wrong. And then Cassie walked in. "'Hey, wait up! I'm not missing... this again?' She pauses and raises an eyebrow when she saw Anne holding me. "'What?' Anne and I ask simultaneously. "'Don't you what me? Every time I see the two of you, you're all over each other. I might have to speak about this with your girlfriend, Lisa.' "'Friend,' I said coldly, thinking to myself, "'That's right. Go me. Make it worse.' "'Sure. So, what's the plan?' Anne switched from one uncomfortable subject to another. Pain, I said, you really don't have to. Yes, I do. For yourself, or... Cassie asked, leaving the implication hanging. No, yes. Oh, shut up. I'm just saying, that is some friendship. The best. That was ice dripping off my words. Anne, at least, didn't need any more encouragement. Then it's settled. Let's poke some holes in you. Could you perhaps find a way to phrase that in a less cheery manner? While I was getting holes poked in me, Alan was dropping off some new gear Allie had commissioned. He was giving Allie a hard time about how much money she spends on BDSM gear. Not that it's any of his business, but he felt like, considering their past history, he needed to say something, both about the gear and Allie's and my relationship. Alan found out I'd moved into her place, and he was really concerned we were taking this too fast, and his friend was going to wind up hurt. Of course, Allie got defensive, and I guess things got pretty heated right before I showed up, hunched over to keep my shirt from brushing against the tender skin around my new jewelry. At their raised eyebrows, I blushed and whispered to Allie what I'd been up to. As I headed upstairs, I hear Allie tell Alan to drop it and never doubt our relationship again. I guess he put two and two together and smirked before leaving us friends to do friend stuff. He has to get ready for a date. If she hadn't been so eager to meet me upstairs, I'm sure she would have grilled him about this somewhat surprising development. Memories sure are funny, the way some of them have this way of positively engraving themselves in your mind. I remember this kiss perfectly. The way she hunched over on her tiptoes to avoid brushing against my sore nipples. I had ditched the shirt and I knew she wanted to grab my breasts and tease my nipples with their shiny new additions, but she grabbed my shoulders and kissed me instead. I remember a fleeting thought of her taking quite a bit of pleasure in hurting those same nipples on other occasions. But not that day. Even though her little pierced nipple fetish was sexual in nature, her gratitude that day was anything but. I knew nothing till much later of her talk with Alan and how it stirred her fears and doubts. I just knew she was happy just then and that was enough. Well, till I broke the bad news, that is. So how long till we can uh, play with them? Uh, one to two bunts, depending on maintenance, so no touchy. Oh, There were inconveniences, but we worked around them. Allie made some protective caps held with electric tape, clever and kind of hot. And Allie even found a way to play with her new presents. Anne had given me some lotion to help with healing, and Allie was more than happy to help apply it which gave me a chance to play at being Dom. Ah, oh, yes, slave girl, you will lather my bosom with soothing bombs, or we shall apply the whip. Allie was not impressed. Oh, honey, you suck at Tom Banter. I got goosebumps every time she called me honey. It was the closest thing to calling me love, because, you know, just friends and stuff. Okay, story time. A few years ago, my friend Christine had a friend, Robert. No, this is not one of those fake friend-of-mine stories. Just, just listen. So everyone and their grandmother saw that they had fallen for each other. They were together all the damn time as friends. Went to the movies as friends. frequented with restaurants as friends. And I mean, it wasn't subtle or anything. Everyone could see it. Still, they kept denying it. Well, it was pretty much guaranteed that at least once a day they would hear a variation of the good old, get a room, you two. Many times they got it from me. Turns out, sometimes getting a room is not enough. The next time we saw Cassie, she had decided that friendship nipple piercings was the new friendship bracelet, har har, and of course, Allie was just plowing me in the friendliest of ways. Yep, she and I turned a simple thing into an emotional version of the Gordian knot. Us being into bondage, I thought it was an apt metaphor. Thankfully, a certain blonde would bring along a sword and solve our little knot problem once and for all. One afternoon, we were working on a puzzle in the kitchen. Allie has this habit of pressing whatever she's holding against her lower lip when she's concentrating. It's honestly kind of adorable, but not really a habit compatible with cardboard. Hey, am I not drooling all over my puzzle? She grinned and stuck her tongue out. I'll show you drooling. I'll lick it all over, make it nice and soggy. Give it here! I tried to snatch the piece from her. No! She holds it out of my reach. Must. Lick. Puzzle! Before the fate of the imperiled puzzle piece was decided, my phone rang, time out. Answered the phone, hey, Anne. Nah, just doing a jigsaw puzzle. I looked over and saw Allie sticking her tongue out at me with the puzzle piece on it. (sighs) The neighbor's five-year-old, apparently. Oh, that's that's nice. I finished your tattoo design. (gasps) Really, when can I see it? I'm over-scheduled tomorrow, so Friday? Meet you for lunch? Awesome! I'll drag Allie along. It's about time the two of you met. Say what? Allie said, puzzled licking forgotten. Uh, sure. I couldn't quite read Anne's tone. Okay, Anne, so how much will it cost so I can get. Oh, nothing. Think of it as a permanent thank you note for the fun reading material. Aw, does the little purple like my writing? <laughs> pot kettle? Anywho. Gotta go, see you guys in two days. I hung up and saw Allie staring cross-eyed at the puzzle piece stuck to her forehead. Oh, I'm sorry, did I call you a five-year-old? I meant to. There was a time when Allie tried getting me to play her online game. I was new to this, so she was very happy to explain that the game featured a mentorship system. I knew a thing or two about the satisfaction that comes from guiding someone who is new and yet shares your interests. That was pretty much exactly what I was doing with Anne. Now, make no mistake, dear listener, for me, this was not sexual. In a way, it was not much different from showing a friend a new book or a game after you just found out they liked reading or gaming. Never forget the very powerful hobby-slash-achievement aspect of BDSM. In the end, though, through my writing and our hanging out, I became her mentor and she my apprentice. <laughs> anyway, uh, I couldn't just let her do this tattoo for nothing. So that evening, while Allie was braving imaginary worlds with an occasional scream of fucking noob echoing down the hallway, I was pondering and then it hit me. I texted Anne. I know you said you'll do that tattoo for free, but I still feel like I should do something for you as well. So how would you like it if I used you for one of my stories? Of course, you would get all the veto power and editorial control as well as first reading privileged. She responded in seconds, get to typing! And so I did. It was actually funny, I asked this same question to Allie a couple of months earlier. I wrote to her. "'Hey, Allie, how would you feel if I used you "'as the dominatrix in my next story? "'Of course, you would be the first to read it, "'and if you say no, that will be the end of that. "'No posting.'" And she responded, "'Start typing before I get my paddle.'" "'Yes, mistress?' That was how the first of my many stories of Allison and Lisbeth started. In those stories, I have shown the alley of my desires, dominant, powerful, gorgeous, and wild, She was the alley I wanted, the alley I lusted for, and eventually I met that alley face to face. I felt her touches and scratches, her kisses and bites. This was the alley I wrote about. This, however, was not the alley I was falling in love with. No, that alley was a dumbass sticking puzzle pieces to her forehead. I wanted to tell that goof how much I loved her, but not just yet. Once again, I was in need of that other Allie. There was work for her to do in my stories of Allison, Lisbeth, and recently Sarah. I was Lisbeth, Allie was Allison, duh, and Anne was about to become Sarah. I hoped she would like it. I was up nearly all night writing about how a visit to Anne— makes to Allison at work evolves into a steamy first scene where she gets to her first taste of submission and all of the excitement and delicious terror that comes with letting something so vulnerable, previously carefully kept totally private, become a reality. I added all the trappings too. Sexy heels, reluctant undressing, nipple clamps and weights, blindfolds, bondage with stockings, some spanking. It was a fucking hot story, if I do say so myself. In the morning, I shared it with Allie. So basically you retconned this Anne girl to be the Sarah from our story? Yeah, pretty much. I see. Um, Allie, is that okay with you? I got a little carried away and forgot to ask. No, it's it's fine, Lisa. I just, don't know, feels a bit odd. You know what I mean, it was fun when you included Sarah in the stories. She worked well as a character who was new to the game, a reader proxy to ask the right questions and all that, but now she's this Anne person. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a very hot story, it's just, it was our story, so I don't know. Oh crap, I'm sorry Allie, I honestly meant nothing by this. just seemed like a fun, elaborate thank-you note to Anne, and once I start writing, it just sort of flows. Allie took a look at me with a frown on her face. No, it's, it's okay. I'm overreacting. So she is into this? <laughs> yeah, she's never done it, but she is very much into it. Well, I certainly banged her brains out in this story. <laughs> writing from experience. I say with a smile. So, did she like the story? Oh, I gotta ask. I texted Anne. She had been exhausted from reading and masturbating. Her response said it all. I rate it five out of five vibrators. I am seriously considering switching to some wall socket powered toys because of this story. (laughs) Yeah, Allie, you rocked her world. Yeah, and we're meeting this girl on Friday. You do realize this little story of yours pretty much killed any chance of a normal conversation? Yeah, I might have brought an elephant into the room. <sighs> Hi, dinosaur. Allie? What? Are you... are you angry? Huh? Oh, Lisa, I'm just a friend, too. But... That, it's not the same. You're... you're my best friend. I'm... <sighs> But I'm so sorry if I made you feel less. Okay, dear listener, I swear I am not one of those people who cry over every damn thing. And these were just tears of pure frustration. See, contrary to all of my efforts, Allie kept misreading all my signals. And even though I didn't know it back then, I was doing the same thing. Signals suck. We have a perfectly fine, easy-to-understand vocabulary, and yet when it comes to emotions, we get reduced to cave dwellers. We both did our best to signal our feelings to each other, but signals are nothing more than limited hints of one's intention. At the end of my day, piercings were just as easily dismissed as a sub's devotion to her dom. Allie's outburst of jealousy over the story nothing more than a pouting friend offended by a reduced amount of attention. Signals were about as reliable as our abilities to understand their true intention. They told me nothing of the idea that was festering in Allie's mind, an idea which Alan first put into words, an idea which Allie swiftly rejected and left to die like a seed on barren ground. But an idea is a resilient seed, and it turns out my story was all the nourishment it needed to take root. I wrote a story of her having sex with another woman, a real woman this time. She knew nothing of the two alleys, one that was at the heart of my sexual desires, and the other one who was at the heart of my heart. She was unaware that I never equated the two. She only saw the story I wrote without a trace of hesitation, and why would there be any? After all, be it love or friendship or whatever Allie and I had. Not counting a breakup, an argument generally has two outcomes. With effort, honesty, and compromise, it can be worked out, resulting in forgiveness. Or you can just move on without really working it out. If you choose the first option, the argument might make a comeback someday, or it might not. But if you choose to just move on, it will come back. And not merely to bite you on the ass, it will bite your ass off. Spit it out, and set it on fire. It is a bullet-unfired, a sheathed dagger, and it will hurt you someday. Well, (laughs) with regards to our own little misunderstanding, we chose option number two. That night, Allie got up from the bed. I can't sleep. I'll go look for some raids or something. Oh, okay. Just don't go crazy loud, okay? Uh, Don't worry. I'll limit my rage to writing. Option number two usually comes with that all-too-familiar perk of passive aggression. People say you shouldn't go to bed angry. So Allie didn't. She spent the night in her room, never went to bed. But in the morning, she seemed fine again. Morning. She leaned in and kissed me on the cheek. I'm sorry. I was up late. I didn't want to wake you up. No, oh. Well, all right. Thursday was a nice day, uneventful, but nice. Allie was back to her old self. And by the end of it, I forgot the whole story thing. Friday, however, Allie had made it quite clear that she had not. Hey, Allie, move it or lose it! Now, now, Lisa, haven't you heard of being fashionably late? She came downstairs in steel-toed high-heel boots, a red corset jacket, and red pants. The outfit screamed Dom. Ah, passive aggression. When you could say what bothers you, but instead you choose to be a bit of a dick about it. Oh, I knew what this was about. But one of the oh-so-popular ways of dealing with passion aggression is ignoring it, pretending like it's not there. Subtle, I said. Yeah, I mean, that tactic was working splendidly for our feelings. Hmm, yes, sarcasm. Well, your friend is expecting to meet a dominatrix. I would hate to disappoint her. You are just trying to get me to have sex with you tonight. Oh, honey, I don't try. Oh, hot and damn it, I love it when she calls me honey. We arrive and Nally says, oh, "Is that her?" Huh? Anne looks up. Yep. Hey, Anne. Hmm. We finally meet face to face. I am Allison. "'Um, Anne—' "'No, no, you don't strike me as an Anne. "'I think I shall call you Sarah.' "'Oh, um, well, I guess that—' "'Anne says, stuttering. "'And she was interrupted by Allie Storning through a laugh "'and me rolling my eyes, saying, "'Play along, Lisa. <laughs> I'm, "'I'm sorry, but the way she just froze up, too precious—' Uh, hey, care care to let me in on the joke here? Anne asked. I'm sorry, Anne, I'm Allie, and this here was my feeble attempt at breaking a whole glacier of awkward ice my friend here placed between us. Ah, yes, right, the story. But hey, it's not bad. We had crazy sex, and then we met in person. If that's not a good foundation for a friendship, I don't know what is. Oh, no, definitely. You are amazing, by the way. This entire time, I'm holding my hands over my eyes in embarrassment. Oh, yeah, the two of them broke the ice, all right. Right over my back. Bitches. I'm sorry I wrote the whole fucking story. I was not liking what was happening. What? No, Lisa, I liked the story. I love it. Allie took my hand, as did I. Honestly, I was freaked out. I mean, after that story, having to meet Anne, it was... A little stressful, to say the least. I'm, I'm honestly sorry. I just hoped... However, after meeting her, I think we can kiss the awkwardness goodbye. She seems nice and very bangable. Glad to hear it. Could have done without the bangable part, but glad to hear it nonetheless. Good. Now that's settled. Lisbeth, Sarah, these boots are not going to lick themselves. I rolled my eyes and Anne palmed herself right after Allie said that. We got very drunk that night and called Cassie and Tom. Little did we know they were in the middle of some BDSM foreplay. Cassie was not amused. Apparently she lied and said she had paperwork to do that night, but she was way too busy tying up her husband and riding him. She hung up on our antics. What the hell? Anne then showed Allie and me the tattoo I had designed and how she'd improved upon it. Anne is an amazing artist, and Allie was very impressed with her portfolio. There was a comic that Allie knew that Anne gets a lot of requests to draw on people. It's kind of funny, one of the things I remember about that night all those years ago was a deep sense of unease. I guess when you're trying to get involved with someone romantically, the last thing you want is the company of someone who has more in common with that person. And Anne certainly qualified, she was both into BDSM, fun, and amazingly artistic. And Allie obviously enjoyed her company. Meanwhile, I was thinking some seriously bitchy thoughts, some of which included an inner monologue of how my writing was better than Anne's drawing. Writing required commitment from the reader to enjoy it. Drawing was fast food for the mind, a one-night stand of mental involvement. So yeah, damn it, I was better. (laughs) Told you it was bitchy. Yeah, it was my own mental and emotional luggage that Anne had nothing to do with. So, alongside an unsettling sense of unprovoked jealousy, I was also being an ungrateful little shit. That night, I was drinking to chase away those thoughts. Because that, of course, is the healthiest way to deal with emotional turmoil. I mean, alcohol did wonders for the social lubricant, though. You pound a bunch of martinis and you forget a certain steamy story. but. As Allie would say, they raise your stupidity stat by 10 points. We called Cassie and Tom again. Tom had been waiting for news about his sister giving birth, and the unknown number made him pick up the phone and then handed it to Cassie. Hello? What's up? You go to hell and burn, bitches! Anne and Allie were laughing so hard as I palmed myself again. Yeah, it was a good night my bitchy thoughts notwithstanding. It was the night the three of us became friends, and we sent some silly photos to Cassie. She made it into a shirt that said, three girls, one brain. She loves that shirt. So, anyway, next morning, I woke up hungover with Allie on one side and Anne on the other. To quote a million movies, no, really, it's not what it looks like. Anne was passed out to my right, my... Allie, my drooly princess, to my left. So, what the hell happened last night? Okay, brain, it's you and me. Now, do your thing. See you guys? I'll home in my car that I have or something. No! Friends don't let friends drive drunk and blah! Our place is close and I have spare room. Yay! And stuff. Ah, right, but why is she sleeping in my bed? My brain continues to play. Ugh, I'm a hate work. I'm a hate everything today. Allie runs past me. I gotta pee, gotta pee, gotta pee, gotta pee! Hey, you unbelievable ass! I have to get ready for work, I said as I pound on the door. You look like shit, just call in sick, she responded. No, damn it, get out! Can't hear you, lots of peeing to do. Sure, Allie, get me fired. I'll hire you. I need a maid, and we have a uniform already. Screw you so uh there's a uniform and says behind me several on an unrelated note lisa how is this like every ladies room line ever ugh dumbass i said with a sticker. i called work no problem lisa it's a slow shift today but i would need you to cover me on thursday morning oh excellent get better soon Yep. Yeah. i hung up the phone i used to dislike her because she was a blonde yeah i'm a dick Come on, coffee, do your thing. Ian points at me. Aw, oh, look who's at a wild night. You sure seem cheerfully energetic. What sorcery is this? I don't know. Good night's sleep, I guess. Magical liver, take your pick. Also, I just posted on every social media network I'm on that I just spent the night with the dominatrix. The comments have been quite amusing. Hmm, <laughs> I bet. Allie said. Uh Uh-huh. Spent a night with a dominatrix, and what the hell am I, then? Chopped liver? Hey, everyone knows what a dominatrix is. If I said I spent the night with a sub, most people would assume I was eating a sandwich. Fair point. So, what is it the two of you usually do? Ann asked. Oh, you know, talk, watch movies, read. Just usual stuff. We have our own hobbies as well. I play some video games, and oh, you might find this interesting, Anne. I have a small collection of sketches from some comic artists, Allie said. I pricked up. You do? Well, it's not much, just several pieces. Yeah, but I never knew that. I don't know. I didn't think it was something you would find interesting. Anne's phone kept going off. Wow, I am getting spammed here. <laughs> what are they saying? Allie asked. <laughs> it's the internet. What do you think they're saying? Pictures or it didn't happen. There you go. Um, so, the bondage stuff. Uh, what's that? Why yes, the elephant in the room? Did I just fart? I would have found Anne's obsessive curiosity on the topic of BDSM funny, but then again, I was in that same inexperienced position just a few weeks earlier. The realization kept me from chuckling at Anne's curiosity. We talked for hours about our experiences and the successful sessions and the miserable fails. Yes, there were fails. I may be skipping over them at times, but a sudden need to visit the toilet mid-session would hit me more often than I would like to admit. And while I was busy bragging like a teenager, Anne was becoming increasingly nervous at that very moment, it was hitting her. She really was in a house with a dominatrix. But thankfully, Allie was observant. I guess reading body language comes with the job description for a dom. Her method of disfusing the situation wasn't one I might have chosen, but... Allie asked Anne if she wanted to see the room, assuring her she had nothing to fear. Anne saw this potential, and it scared her. There was a scene in my story of Lisbeth, Allison, and Sarah, Sarah's first session. She was bound and chained, her pierced nipples hard as ice, Dom holding my leash between her noose legs' legs, rubbing the pussy and forcing me to go down on her. That Saturday, as she entered our playroom, she saw the potential and thought, what if? She feared the if. She feared the possibility of this scenario actually happening, feared her own desire for this to occur, and above all, she feared her reaction to a possible offer. In short, she was experiencing a complete and utter system failure. Thankfully, dominatrix Waldo here had her specific air and complete aloofness, which rebooted Anne's brain with ease, uh, so, yeah, um, as you see, we had a spare bed here as well, but I, I kind of sort of figured you might get freaked out if I went. Hey, you sleep in my sex room. Okay, yeah, but on a side note, this may be the coolest bed I've ever seen. Oh, why, thank you. And this is where she bound you thinking you were alone? Yep, I said with a grim. Hmm, doesn't seem all that impressive. Oh, it's missing the Sibian now. Holy crap, Anne said shocked. You weren't kidding about the uniforms, were you? Jeez, how much do you spend on all this? <gasps> we do not speak of that, Lisa said coyly. Trust me, it's not even comparable. If this fella hadn't seen so much action, I would let you try it. Allie picked up her magic wand. Oh, Allie, I have a vibrator of my own. They continued to compare sex toys. This went on for 15 of the most pointless minutes of my life, so... We'll just move on. Okay, I gotta be honest. Even when you were telling me of your experiences just now, a part of me was like, bullshit! But you two are actually doing this. And it's just creative sex. (laughs) We haven't, like, taken you to our secret superhero lair, so calm down a bit, okay? Kinda hyperventilating. Well, screw you, I just saw some crazy stuff. Um, oh wait, while on the topic, I saw some crazy cool rope bondage online. Uh, okay. So, have you ever done that? Uh, well, not really. I mean, we use rope at times, but not to that extent. We mostly stick to other kinds of restraints. No, oh, when I saw some of the things people do with ropes, just, damn. Yeah, I always loved shibari. Takes a lot of skill. Anne's foam kept going off and off. So Allie put the collar around Anne's neck after she was being called a liar online too many times. Anne left with Allie for the day. I was planning on getting some writing done, and I really planned on doing just that. But, you know, I decided to surf a bit. First, I went straight to Anne's photo, maybe to get a few chuckles out of it. And all I saw were comments of how Anne and Allie should be together and how she should be her sub. That was a mistake. Allie told me she'd gone to the fabric store to purchase 20 feet of rope. BDSM was big in my life. No, really, yeah, I know. Point is, for me, it was pretty much just a secret fetish. But Allie, who was measurably bigger. I couldn't for the life of me tell you what triggered my fetishism. At best, I remember sometime being bored and taking a hairband and kinda tying my own hands behind my back. Hey, I said I was bored. And then I struggled against it. I guess I kind of liked it. I don't know. For me, it was subtle enough not to even notice it until it was too late and I was eyes deep in my little fetish. Allie, however, in a way, her journey helped her become the person she is today. To find her friendships. It was the best and the worst she remembered. I mentioned this before, but it started with a movie she had seen she should not have seen. This movie did two things to her. One, it creeped the living crap out of her. This is her quote, I was lucky that I turned it off before the hardcore stuff actually started. Knowing now about how the overacting in porn, Lord knows what that would have done to my idea of sex. And two, despite her being creeped out, she noticed the whole powerful attitude and look of the dominatrix. She was unsure what to make both of these impressions at the time. But years passed, and at the time of her sexual awakening, Allie encountered the internet, for better or worse. Sex itself still scared her. However, that other thing, the dominatrix look and the attitude, she never forgot. So in her rare moments of solitude, she searched and the internet delivered because, well, if there's anything the internet does well, it's catered to fetishes. Well, that and the whole cat pictures thing. But with her taste developing, she spent quite a bit of her high school age thinking, imagining, considering the idea of herself feeling powerful and confident. I remember her being in an online discussion once, arguing about some super heroine costume. She kept ranting about it to me. I couldn't care less. Anyhow. Apparently, the character in question said her costume made her feel powerful. Given how extremely over-sexualized the costume was, many asked the obvious question, who the hell would find that outfit empowering? Allie simply said, a fetishist. She knew what she was talking about. And then, being a writer and a smartass, I asked the other obvious question, which was, well, was she written as a fetishist? I regretted asking that. Four hours of my life, utterly wasted. Allie's developing fetishism aside, she was a simple teenager. She had friends, she had dreams, dreams that would take her to college. And at the age of 18, she had enough confidence to unlock a Dom haircut that she had wanted since seeing that video at such a young age. Things changed in college. She found her confidence. She met Alan, she bought her first Dom outfit. She bound herself and Alan and Alan did the binding. She loved ropes. She found that love three years before meeting me, when she uh, reconnected with Alan, helping him at a booth at a fetish convention. I personally attended one comic book convention and three fetish cons. Allie once told me that they were strangely similar. At both these kinds of conventions, you have a bunch of nerds having fun and satisfying their own nerdiness. Many people wearing costumes, some sexy, some impressive, some downright odd. And, of course, at both comic and fetish conventions, there are costumes that make you go, oh, grow up already. Then again, I like getting bound and gagged and spanked, so yeah, who am I to judge? If there was one thing I liked about these conventions, it was the casual joking. It was weird, you know? We're all odd in our own ways, and these places you encounter the oddness of all the others face to face. These places were kind of a celebration of oddity. So you know it says something when you're the weird one there. Allie may have been a bit of a dumbass meltdown that day. Hey, Alan, so that guy said to his parents, well, no, no, his parents told him he could be whatever he wanted to be when he grows up. So he wants to be a horse and and that guy's a big baby. Allie had pointed to the adult wearing a diaper and the guy or girl outfitted in full pony gear. Then again, it was her first fetish contention. Honestly, the tales Alan told me of the ridiculous Allie of that day always made me smile. And now it was on that day she fell in love with ropes. As I said, she was both on the giving and receiving end of the rope bondage. Allie spent over an hour just browsing the rope bondage books that day. Oh yeah, remember how Harper had said Allie was a natural at ropes? Well, it turns out the two of them don't remember meeting at that convention, but Alan does. He did remember that there were some girls sprouting the same parents told them joke over and over again. That day, she got the knowledge, and with practice, she turned that knowledge into skill. And that Saturday, she had plans to make good use of both her knowledge and her skill. Big plans. Gut-wrenching should probably visit the bathroom first plans. So, fun fact. When I'm either excited or nervous, I bite my lip. Allie has to use the bathroom. And she was crazy nervous. This was a big moment for her. She knew I liked rope bondage and she wanted to do this for me. Hey, Lisa, I'm back. Hey. So, um, I had an idea. I interrupted her. Not now, I'm working on some story ideas. And meanwhile, I was busy being prissy. It was super justified, after all. I read some shit on the internet about Allie and Anne. Anyway, Allie left to go play a video game. But of course, I came to my senses and went and joined her upstairs. She was working. I interrupted. Mistress? That got her attention. You want me to get ready in the playroom? No. Get naked and wait for me in your room. Naked? All right. I was lying on the bed naked when Allie entered the room. (gasps) "'Why, Miss Williams, I do believe you are trying to seduce me.' (gasps) "'You're a fetishist. I lack the necessary gift-wrapping to seduce you.' "'Uh? "'Oh, come on. Straps, belts, buckles, gift-wrapping? You can't tell me it doesn't work.' "'Oh? No, it's not that. I just had different wrappings in mind for this time.' She held up the ropes she just purchased rope i said staring at them i thought you didn't like ropes i don't but you know me kind of hoped maybe you could change that maybe new better memories could overwrite old regrets i kissed her cheek so how are the nipples healed ish put on the caps she told me do i have to yes That evening was one of the five greatest, most wonderful sexual experiences of my life, and I adore every memory of it. I love remembering the intimacy of the entire ritual, remembering her touch as she tied me up, the bite of the rope. She got naked alongside me, grabbed my breasts. She bit down on my neck and checked me with her fingers after they had entered me. They were warm memories. A little fuzzy at times. They were memories of a sunset. Our sunset. And after the sunsets, well, how did you like it, Lisa? It was the most wonderfully sensual, sexual experience of my life. Thank you. Welcome. But Allie's welcome was not a happy one. When I was a kid, one of the first things I learned about social interactions was when someone does something nice for you, you say thank you. It is right. It is polite. And after some brain-resetting orgasms, it was pretty much the best I could think of. A smart woman like Allie would easily understand this. But there was a problem. Emotions and logic often travel down separate roads. Let me put it this way. This would be Allie's brain on logic. Of course, when I say thank you, I want you to know that this means a lot to me and that I understand that it was important to you. But this is Allie's brain on unrequited love. Thanks, you scratched that itch real good, buddy. Unrequited love tends to go hand in hand with self-doubt. And yeah, for some reason, Allie's self-doubt took form of a tiny Allen telling her to remember what he said to her weeks ago. Okay, Allie, then tell me, what did she do for you specifically? And before you say it, being a sub doesn't count. So, anyway, the second brain was running the show from there on. I left for work, and she said, thank you. When I joined them for coffee later, they were discussing the photo that was taken, discussing that she got 80 marriage proposals that she should marry Allie, Allie said she would have to bang Annie three times before they got married. Was Anne kind of flirting? Oh, hell yes. And even now, in hindsight, I can't blame her. She was curious, and honestly, you know, my own signals were somewhat muddying the waters. Obviously, the situation was somewhat of a powder keg. And I was also dealing with my period, and it wasn't helping the situation. We were supposed to go to the Crimson for the Halloween party, and Anne was going to go with Cassie and Tom, but I was getting weirded out, feeling like the third wheel, so Allie suggested she come with us. I was not exactly thrilled about any of it. Friday night, the Crimson Halloween, the night of doom. You know, the whole girl costumers coming in sexy or sexier variants may be a cliche, but it's actually justified here. I'm just saying, you'll stick out. Anne was dressed as a cop. Allie was a nurse, and I was a cat with choker collar and bell. (laughs) I got handcuffs, and I got a justice stick. Trust me, I'll blend in just fine. (laughs) Whatever you say, officer. (laughs) All right, ladies, let's do this. So it turns out that evening was more than just a party at Crimson. It was a small engagement party as well big night for a lot of us, it seems. Harper and Tanya got engaged. "'So, you guys gonna do a bondage-themed wedding?' Allie asked. "'Oh, hell no,' Harper responded. "'I don't think that would go over great with our family and friends.' "'Well, friends would probably be okay with it, but Granny Lorraine would freak out.' "'Well, you two certainly matched up,' I said to Tanya. "'So did he, like, tie you up before popping the question?' "'You have a vivid imagination, Lisa. I'm a writer!' (laughs) <laughs> well, what about you, Lisa? Any romance or still playing the field? I was never playing the field. It was just Allie for me. And it still is just Allie. Yeah, just Allie. I see Allie about to be handcuffed by Anne. You know that slow motion sound? I swear I could hear my stomach making it. Sounds like... <laughs> See, I immediately knew Anne was going to post these photos up on her social networking sites. Immediately, I remembered the comments I read a few days ago. And then the emotional and rational sides of my brain went to war with each other. You know, they do look like a perfect couple. Lisa, for fuck's sake, don't buy into that bullshit. You know full well that Anne is just messing around. It was a short war. My emotional side opted for the nuclear awesome. Chug, chug, chug! So I pounded down my drink. Yeah, no, fuck it, you're on your own. Poor rational brain never stood a chance that night. Now, like anyone who ever did stupid spur-of-the-moment shit, I will tell you that this made perfect sense to me at the time. I was going to be in all of these photos. I'd rather have us all shipped than have it just be Anne and Alley. On an unrelated side note, This photo was scarily similar to the one we took about a year later. I was wearing a different dress, though. I gotta admit, Anne's spirit was infectious, and she was having a blast, and so I too relaxed. Just because we were going through some shit was no reason to make Anne feel like the third wheel. So, a few drinks in, I was doing just fine. But Allie... Allie started noticing things. Things that had been bugging her for a while. Ever since I did that story about her and Anne, a nagging suspicion had been festering in the back of her mind. It got worse over time, taking her to meet Anne, talking about Anne, inviting her to lunch with Anne, taking all these photos with Anne and her. After all, doesn't my story feature a dominatrix with two submissives? A dominatrix based on her and two subs based on Anne and myself? Yep. To Allie, it seemed that I had plans. Big, two is company, three is a party kind of plans. It made sense. After all, we kept climbing the curve. This was just the next step up that hill. And in her gloomy thoughts, she saw definite proof that we were always going to be just friends with benefits. Harper came over to talk to Allie and offer the VIP room so we could talk that night. Harper pointed out Allie's attitude, and drinking was beginning to scare some of the customers. He tried to offer her a way to relax, but Allie shot him down politely and thanks him for the help. Uh, is Alan coming tonight? I haven't seen him yet. He came early to set up. Apparently his girlfriend had a date night planned. Girlfriend? Allie said, shocked. Yeah, you didn't know? No, I... I haven't really talked to him in a while now. Allie's eyes widened, and hearing that, like a piece of her heart was broken. Right, the Allen thing. Well, we'll get back to that one. Meanwhile, at Crimson, we were treated to a play, I guess, by some high-end performers. Most people attending the party knew of them and observed their little performance with adoration. They watched it in silence. Anne, on the other hand, really got into the play. Self-doubt is a persistent weed. You can try and get rid of it, but it has ways of coming back. I loved Anne as a friend, but watching her have fun with Allie, once again, self-doubt reared its ugly head. Sexual submissive, beautiful, artistically creative, funny, and now she was a friend to Allie, she ranked as high as I did. And while on any given day, I would never call myself jealous or possessive, that night I was both. It would be easy to write off what happened next to my monthly hormonal tide, but that would be a lie. It was fear, fear of losing her, and even worse, fear that there was nothing to lose, that my secret hopes were just self-delusion, that my insecurities were right. This was a ticking time bomb, and its timer just hit zero. You know, I can give you two some privacy. You can obviously use it. "'Uh, you want to run by that by me again, Lisa?' "'Well, I'm having my time of month, so I'm out of commission. "'But uh, I can't see the two of you can't have some fun.' "'Oh, well, of course. "'This is what I'm here for. "'My sole purpose in life is to fulfill your fantasies, right? "'I mean, let's not kid ourselves. "'This is the bloody ideal. "'We can reenact your stories now. "'I can become the dominatrix you wanted me to be. "'The Allison from your stories.' What do you think? You, me, and Anne here? Just the way you always imagine it? After all, that's how I roll. I just fuck all my friends. Allie put her arm around Anne. Anne's reaction to this, Uh, what the fuck? Now, here's the thing. Allie had a sister with whom she argues at times. I had an older and younger brother. And I was a writer, so... Well, as far as your friends go, I only know of Alan. From where I'm standing, you're two for two. That hurt Allie that night. The expression on her face conveyed it without saying anything. And any rationality just left the building. One sentence, and I crushed all her hopes. That sentence hurt her more than I could imagine. In it, I confirmed what she feared the most. We were just friends, and even that was about to implode. In five, four, three, two one, so that's the way it is. Okay, sure, yeah, we're friends now, aren't we, Anne? Um, okay, yeah, but listen, what do you think, Lisa? Idea, you want to make a three for three? Lisa certainly likes to fantasize the crap out of that idea. And Anne grew real tired of our shit in three, two, one. Okay, yeah, you know, you know what? Go fuck yourselves, both of you. She turned and left the crimson. We all need someone to call out bullshit at times. Allie and I were lucky we had Anne. I called out to her, Anne, wait! What the hell, Allie? This is how you treat your friends? No wonder you only have two. Dear listener who has two thumbs and is a weapons-grade hypocrite. Me! Yeah, well, fuck you and your friendship. Boom. I grabbed my coat and left. There's a photo we all took a year ago. He was doing our apartment warming party. I love that photo. I often look at it and think those smiles wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the tears of that night five years ago, if it wasn't for the pain and that sorrow. Among the three of us, Anne had the most reason to be pissed off. After all, we invited her. We pretty much used her as the ball in our tennis grudge match. Truth is, she had every right to hate us and even more to feel hurt. So, story time. When I was a kid, my brother Mike started going to Taekwondo. Of course, being a clingy little sister, I wanted to go as well. Now one of the first things we learned was my sensei taught me the correct way to punch. The fist needs to be aligned with your arm, or when you land a punch, the force will end up tearing your ligaments, or even breaking a bone. So Allie didn't know that, and hurt herself punching a wall. She did her best to suppress a scream. Cassie and Tom gave me a ride home. I would love to say that I handled all this with quiet dignity, but that would be a lie. I considered calling Allie. I gave up that thought and did the only thing that made sense at the moment. In my mind, Allie wants to be there because she was partying. I felt self-loathing and I had to blame her. I feel like shit for saying this out loud, but... This is important. You must know this, as it will come back later. While Allie was in the bathroom, self-loathing, thinking of calling me and punching the bathroom wall, she nearly broke her hand that night. Anne was quick to anger, but she was a softie at heart and forgave Allie. She was the friend Allie needed that night. She and Allie spoke, and then Anne drove Allie to the ER to fix her hand. Her and Anne patched things up before the ER and on the way home complaining about the incompetence of the doctor and the nurses and god awful insurance issues. Ellie told me one of the last things she thought before entering the house was, maybe this night could be saved. Maybe it could have. I'd left her a note. I'm going to spend some time at my parents. I think we both need some time to think. I often wonder what would have changed. But as sad as writing about this makes me, I have no regrets because, as I said, without the tears, without the pain of that night, without the feeling of loss, there would be no smiles later on. Allie would break down with bonkers, giving her some comfort. This was our low point, but luckily, things do get better. They get amazing.